Well, good morning, North Greenville. Um, grateful to have the opportunity to be back on this campus that I uh, love and appreciate so much. This was a uh, defining place in my life and ministry and in my walk with Christ. And I'm just reminded again today by seeing uh, some of my old friends and professors just how much God really worked in my heart and life through my four years here at North Greenville University. And I agree with uh, Andy Bernard, who said, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you left them. And so take advantage of these years and this season that you have in this very special place because they are gone too quickly. I think it is good to remember what has been so that we can appropriately respond to what is. It is good to remember the past so that we can appropriately respond in the present. Uh, my wife and I have three boys, and one of them, my son, oldest son, Titus, is here with me today. And last year, we took our boys to Disney World. Anybody Disney fans? Any Disney fans in there? All right, we took our kids to Disney World. I, I did not grow up going to Disney World. My family didn't have Disney World money. We had Dollywood money. Y'all been to Dollywood? Anybody been to Dollywood? Dollywood's amazing. If you've never been to Dollywood, just imagine if Cracker Barrel had an amusement park and you get the picture of kind of what Dollywood is. But we took our kids to Disney World and we took them for, we had three days in Disney World and, and we really just tried to do everything we could in those three days. Like we packed everything in. My kids love to ride roller coasters. And so we did everything. And we got there when the gates opened. And so the first day we were at Magic Kingdom and we went, did all the ride. We did Splash Mountain, Magic Mountain, Thunder Mountain, a lot of mountains in Disney. We did all of the roller coasters. I mean, we shut it down. We did Cinderella's Castle at night. It was incredible. Next day we did Hollywood Studios. You've been to Hollywood Studios. They've got Star Wars land. It's incredible. So we flew the Millennium Falcon. We uh, helped save the resistance and we went to Toy Story land. I mean, it was just an incredible day. My wife and I on our way there kind of made an agreement that we were going to say yes to everything that we could to make this a memorable, incredible experience for our boys. And it was. On the last day in Disney World, we are literally walking out of the park. We're going to the car where we're going to begin our trek home. My son, who was five, my middle son, who was five at the time, on our way out said, Dad, could you buy me a Powerade? And I don't know if you've been to Disney World, but Powerades at Disney World are like $8. And so I just said to him, I was like, how about we do this, buddy? How about when we get to the car, dad will stop at a gas station on our way out of the park, and I'll get you a Powerade there. And my five-year-old son, upon hearing this, looked me dead in my face in the middle of Disney World and said, this is the worst day of my life. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. Like, I didn't know, like, what do you say? Like, I rebuke him in Jesus' name. Like, I don't really know what to say to that. But I just was reflecting on that and thinking about how often I treat the Lord's kindness that way, right? God has been so faithful to me in the past. He's been so good to me in the past, but in the present, in a moment where I don't get what it is that I want or something doesn't happen the way that I think that it should, my first temptation is to forget all that he's done in the past and to bemoan my present circumstance. This happens a lot in the scriptures especially in Old Testament Israel. You know, in the Old Testament, one of the most common commands that the Lord gives to his people is the command to remember. You know, over and over, the Lord calls his people to think back to and remember who he is, what he's done, 
and where he's brought them. And I think it's important for us, too, this morning to do the same. And so why is it so important that we remember who the Lord is and what he has done for us? You see, our memory and our recollection of who the Lord is and what the Lord has done has a direct impact not only on our present but also on our future. So if you have your Bible this morning, if you would, open it with me to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4 is where we're going to read from this morning. Deuteronomy is the last book of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. It is authored at least in part by Moses. And Deuteronomy is really three long speeches given by Moses to the people of Israel right before his death as they have reached the very border of the promised land. Now, it's important for us to remember where the Israelites had been. You see, they had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. They had spent a year at the base of Mount Sinai where they had received the law from Moses through, through Moses from the Lord. And then they had spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience. But now, a new generation of Israelites has arrived at the edge of the promised land. And Moses addresses this new generation with the words of wisdom and with words of warning. He does not want them to make the same mistakes that their parents made in disobedience to the Lord's commands. And in the first speech of Deuteronomy, which consists of mostly chapters 1 through 4, Moses is giving a history lesson of sorts. He's reminding the people of where they've been and how the Lord has sustained them. And I think Moses beginning with history is important because it communicates something about the point of remembrance. Winston Churchill once famously quipped, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And so why does Moses and the Lord call on the people to remember? And what can we learn from our own past that can help us in the present and in the future? So Deuteronomy chapter 4, we're going to begin in the middle of the chapter at verse 9 and read through verse 14. Would you read with me? Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children so. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded to you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land you are going over to possess. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray this morning that as we study your word, God, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to receive that which you have for us by your Spirit through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. As we study this text, I think we should ask three questions. I think as we read this 
passage, three questions probably arise. And the first question is this, what has the Lord done in the past? What has the Lord done in the past? Moses begins here by reminding the people of what it is that God had done. What has the Lord done in the past? Secondly, what should we do in the present? What should we do in the present? If this is who the Lord is and what he has done, how does that impact our present? And then third, what will the Lord do in the future? What's he done in the past? What should we do in the present? And then what will he do in the future? And what I believe we're going to see this morning as we study this text, as we ask these three questions, what I believe we're going to see is this kind of central truth, this simple truth this morning, that God's past faithfulness is meant to lead us to a present obedience and a future hope. That God's past faithfulness is meant to lead us to a present obedience or trust and a future hope. But let's begin here in verse 9. Moses writes, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget all the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Moses wants them to recall, to think back to where they have been, to what the Lord has done. Uh, my mom, a couple years ago, started to do a lot of kind of the Ancestry.com stuff, all of our family tree. And if you parents, some of you have done family tree stuff, it's pretty fascinating, really. And she called me pretty excited uh, a few months ago, and she said, David, I found a picture of your great-great-grandfather, Charles Albert Riley. And she was stoked about it. She sent me the picture, and it's just a picture of my great-great-grandfather, probably the only picture of him in existence. And that's kind of really funny to think about how, like, when we tell that to our kids, it won't be like, Dave, I found a picture of your great-great-grandfather. It's like, hey, do you want to see 100,000 pictures of my great-great-grandfather, right? But these pictures, it's just like I looked at this picture and it gives me a window back into time. And that's the great thing about pictures is you can look at a picture and immediately remember where you were or the circumstances or the setting or the season of life that you were in. And when Moses commands the people not to forget where they have been, he's got this idea in mind that they would have almost a photographic memory, if you will, that they would commit these works to memory, that they would go back to them, that they would remember them. They had seen God's power. They had seen God's holiness. They had seen God's kindness and faithfulness on display these last years, and Moses does not want them to forget that. I think the same is true this morning. Can you think of a time in your life where you experienced God's power and God's presence in a real, tangible way? Just think back to a moment where you really experienced the power and the presence of God. It's good for us to remember what the Lord has done. Now, how do we do this? How do we make a practice of remembering what the Lord has done? Well, Moses goes on here at the end of verse 9. He says, Make them known to your children and your children's children. How on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words. So they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they might teach their children so. Moses says that we learn to remember these things in two ways. First, we remember what the Lord has done by actively hearing the words of the Lord. You see, Moses had gathered the people to the base of Mount Sinai that they might hear the Lord. 
And every week, you and I, as we gather together in local congregations, it is another opportunity for us to hear the word of the Lord proclaimed, to be reminded afresh and anew of who he is, and to remember what he has done and why we worship. It's why I would just say to you, if you're not a part of a local church where you are regularly hearing the word proclaimed, This is so important because this is the way that as we hear God's word preached and proclaimed, we remember who he is and why we worship him in the first place. Second, Moses says they will remember not only by hearing the word, but by sharing the word with one another, particularly the next generation. This is the work of discipleship. It is the reception and the transferal of the word of the Lord one to another. And so Moses says that when you hear the word of the Lord, receive it as such, obey it, and then teach it to others. And this, of course, is not just an Old Testament command. This is the heart of the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, Jesus says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. So Moses says to the people, we hear the word of the Lord, we receive it as such, we remember who God is and what God has done, and we transfer, we tell those stories to one another. And the recalling and the transferring of the gospel to those who have never heard, we remember, we remember, Which brings us to the point of remembering why we remember God's past faithfulness. Why is God so concerned that the people would remember his past faithfulness? Look look with me at verse 11. He says, You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. The Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform. That is the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. Um, nostalgia is a really powerful thing. If you don't believe me, like all of you have probably done the like BuzzFeed quizzes on like you know you're a 2000s kid if, right? And you go back and you do those things. It's just like, oh my gosh, like I remember this, right? You remember like those Disney Channel shows you watched as a kid, and you remember those video games that you played, and you remember those uh, 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 like... Uh, Diet Cherry Dr. Pepper. Like you remember like all of those things. And when you see those things, sometimes nostalgia is this powerful thing just reminds you where you're supposed to be and how good things were. But listen, the goal of remembering God's past faithfulness is not nostalgia. It's not to remember the good old days and then tell our kids or the next generation how much better it was way back then. The remembering of God's past faithfulness is meant to lead us to a present trust and obedience. That's what God's doing. He says, remember who I am. Remember where you've been. Remember what I've done. And in your remembering, worship me. And the way that we worship him is by submitting to his call and his command. For Israel... This meant seeing God's faithfulness to them in the past and believing on his word and promise and then walking in obedience to his commands expressed in the Ten Commandments in the present. You see, in the last speech of Deuteronomy, when we get to the third speech of Moses in Deuteronomy, Moses will lay out for the people the rewards of obeying God's commands 
and the consequences of disobeying God's commands. And spoiler alert, if you haven't read Deuteronomy, Moses doesn't have a lot of confidence that they're going to obey. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 27. He says, For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am with you, for I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. It's not exactly like a five-star review of the Israelites. <laughs> Moses says, you're stubborn, you're rebellious, and I'm going to lay this out for you, and you're not going to do it. You see, the key point of this is obedience. Moses encourages the people to remember what they have seen and experienced and then use God's past work to inspire present obedience. But he says very clearly that try as they might, their attempts to obey will never be enough. That they'll fall again into sin. That they will need to repent. That they will wander off after other gods. That they will need a fresh anointing of God's grace and his mercy. And ultimately what Moses tells us and what we see later in the New Testament is that salvation will not come to the people through their obedience to the law because they can't obey the law. They can maybe for a season, maybe for a time, maybe they can white knuckle it. But Moses says here and later we'll see in the New Testament that the salvation will not come to them through the law. So how then can they be saved? What's the point of the law? Well, the law was to restrain evil, but the law was also to expose sin. God gives the law so that the people recognize that they're sinners, that they've transgressed against the Lord, against his law, that they cannot find salvation in their own strength, in their own obedience. So where does salvation come from? Moses tells them in Deuteronomy chapter 18, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, and it is to him you shall listen. Moses says, listen, you're not going to listen to me, but God is going to raise up at another time another prophet like me from among you, and him you will listen. The Lord is going to send another prophet like Moses who will be a mediator for the people. And like Moses, this prophet will teach them God's word. But unlike Moses, this prophet will actually keep God's commands for them. And it will be faith in this one, the one who is to come, the one who has come from God, the one we now know as Jesus of Nazareth, who perfectly keeps the law on their behalf and on our behalf. And it's not in our works and our obedience that we find our salvation. It is in faith in Jesus Christ. You see, obedience will never be the means of their salvation, but obedience will be the evidence of their salvation. So brothers and sisters, we remember today what God has done. And we remember primarily what he has done before you and I were even in existence. We remember that 2,000 years ago he sent his son to live a perfect life and die a sinner's death and be raised to new life so that you and I today, lawbreakers that we are, could have hope of salvation that our salvation today comes not from our good works, comes not from our strength, comes not from our ability to do good things or be good people. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. Where the law says do, the gospel says done. And maybe you came to faith here at North Greenville. 
And maybe you came from a church background that put undue emphasis on salvation by works, that it was Jesus plus something else. It was Jesus plus being a good person. It was Jesus plus going on mission trips. Maybe you tried to find salvation by doing the right thing and being the right kind of person. But listen, brothers and sisters, we can never be good enough. And the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to be because Jesus lived, died, and rose so that our sin could be forgiven. And our obedience is not a our obedience now is a response to, not a prerequisite for our salvation. So that when we walk in obedience, we want to walk in faithfulness to Christ who has laid down his life that we might be free. And this is the truth of the gospel, that when we could not get to God, God came for us. When we could not keep the law, he kept the law for us. When we were dead in our sin, he died in our place. When we needed a new start, he gave us new life. And this should inspire in us a deep desire to walk in faithful obedience to him. Amen? John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, God's faithfulness in Christ is meant to lead us to a present trust in him now and a present obedience as evidence of our faith in him. But not only does a past remembrance, God's path of faithfulness, lead us to present obedience and trust. It actually leads us to a future hope. Look at verse 14. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and rules that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Now, where the people are in this moment, um, spiritually, um, physically, but also geographically, it matters as Moses gives this speech. You see, the people of Israel are on the banks of the Jordan River. They are at the very edge of the promised land. It's taken them 40 years to arrive at this place. When God had brought their parents out of Egypt, he promised to bring them to this place where they would cross over and live free from slavery, free from oppression, and free to worship him. And they had wandered in the wilderness for the last 40 years as a direct result of their disobedience to the Lord. But the Lord, in his faithfulness, has brought them now to the threshold of the promised land. But there's only one problem, one big problem. You see, the promised land was occupied. It was an empty space. If you read ahead into the book of Joshua, you'll see that the land that God had promised to Israel was filled with hostile pagan armies who had to be defeated in battle for the people to take possession of the land. But what's interesting is though, even though they're on the edge of the promised land, they have not crossed the Jordan, the, the promised land is filled with hostile pagan armies. Notice what Moses says. Moses says, he has taught them to obey the word of the Lord in the land you are going over to possess. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. Because it seems to Moses that the battle for the promised land has already been won. How can Moses be so confident in something that has yet not occurred? I think it's because he's seen God's faithfulness in the past. 
Listen, there's a, uh, there's a great documentary on Netflix called The Mind Explained. Has anybody watched any of these? Okay, they've, they've got some, okay, one of you. Awesome. This illustration is going to go great. Um, there's a really good documentary. I, I, would, I would recommend it to you. It's called The Mind Explained. And it's a seven-part documentary, and it looks at the human brain, and it takes every episode kind of takes a different pattern of the human brain. And the first one is about memory. It's all about how your brain responds to memories. And we assume often that the memory system in our brain is just designed to recall the past, right? We have a memory just to think about things that have already happened, but that's not actually what researchers have found. Uh, There's this really fascinating part at the end where they have some researchers who have been working with people who have damaged their temporal lobe. Uh, The temporal lobe is the part of the brain that is responsible for memory. And what they found as they worked with these people who had a damaged temporal lobe, they found that these people could not only uh, not only recall the past, like they either had short-term or long-term memory damage, but they actually didn't think about the future. It's fascinating. They start asking them questions about tomorrow and what they want to do three and five years from now, and these people who have these damaged memory systems go, I don't really ever think about the future. One of them says, Asking him about the future is like trying to ask him to find a chair in an empty room. He says, I just don't ever think about the future. And what researchers are beginning to discover is that the future and the past are somehow mysteriously linked in the human mind. And that the same network of the brain is engaged when we recall the past and when we imagine the future. That memories of the past, what has been, and hopes for the future, what will be, are somehow interweaved and intertwined within the human mind. And I found this fascinating. Why? I found it fascinating because one of the most common commands in the Old Testament is to remember. And you see, when God calls on the people of Israel to remember, He's not only calling on them to recall the past, he's reminding them or calling on them to imagine their future. And the same, I think, is true for us today. That as we remember the work of the Lord over the course of these last years, over the course of our life, we are reminded over and over and over of his faithfulness. And we are stirred up to love and to good works in the present. But as we remember God's past faithfulness, God in his grace also gives us a gracious hope for the future. That day by day, piece by piece, person by person, God is redeeming what was lost at the fall. And so when you and I now see our present struggle and we view our present hardship considering this eternal promise that we are known and loved in Christ by the God of the universe, that he has saved us and called us to a holy calling and that he will not leave us on the banks of the Jordan, but he will lead us home in his time, in his way, in his power, through his promise. That he has given to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Second Corinthians, Paul says, all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. And so this morning, 
We are confident in this promise and in the reality that we have seen the Lord's work in our midst. And we know that God's past faithfulness is meant to lead us to a present obedience and a future hope. So let me just say this to you as I close this morning. Can you think about a time in your life where you've experienced the power and the presence of God? Can you think about ways that you've seen him move? Maybe for some of you, you have a very broken and difficult past. And listen, I I don't want to treat that flippantly or lightly or speak tritely about that. Think about ways that God has been faithful to you in the past. Consider your present circumstance, your present situation. Is God's past faithfulness inspiring you, compelling you to walk in faithful obedience to Him now? How do we walk in obedience to Him? First, by calling out to Him as Lord. By admitting that we're sinners, by believing that Jesus is the only way of salvation, by committing to following Him as our Lord, and then to walk in obedience, not to earn our salvation, but as evidence of it. And then you and I this morning can have confidence in the future, as uncertain as it may be. Why can we have confidence in our future? Because we know what God has done in the past. We've seen His work. We've experienced His power. We've felt His presence. We've seen Him be faithful to His promise. And we know that what He has done before, He will do again. God's past faithfulness is meant to lead us to a present obedience and a future hope. Are you walking in obedience to him? Is your hope in him for the future? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity that we've had, again, to be reminded of who you are and what you've done. Father, ultimately, we know that the greatest gift you have given us is the gift of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that there is any here today who have never put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus, that today might be the day, Father, where the Spirit would convict them of sin, where they would call out to you in faith, Father, where they would commit to walk with you as their Lord. God, I pray for the student in here today who's walking through a difficult present circumstance, who's tempted, Father, to walk away from the faith, who's tempted to fall into sin. Father, I pray that today you would remind them of who you are, of what you've done, of why we worship. Father, they would say no to temptation. They would say yes to Christ. And Father, I pray that you would give us a future hope, a hope that is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. A hope that knows, Father, that we may not know how all things are going to work out, but Father, we know that even now, Through the person and work of Jesus, you are redeeming and restoring all that was lost and that you are one day coming again to rule and reign over your creation. Father, we need you. We desperately need you. We thank you for this time, for this reminder to start our day of your past faithfulness. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen.